Amen. This morning, uh, a bit um, different to what we've been singing and praising, my message is called the Prince of Peace. If we can just pray and ask God to be with us this morning. Lord Heavenly Father, you are the great I am. You are the truth, and it's our privilege, God, to be in your house. It's our privilege, beloved God, to know your name. It's our privilege, beloved God, to be born again of the water and of the Spirit, Lord. And we thank you, God, because you are our Savior, you are our Lord, you are our healer, you are our deliverer, and you are the Prince of Peace, Lord. We pray, Almighty God, that you will minister to our hearts in this service, minister to our lives, God. And I ask you to bless me to minister your word. It's a privilege again and an honor, Lord, to be ministering your word. And I thank you for that. And I ask you, God, to help me, Lord. Give me liberty and the Holy Ghost, I pray. And I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And a big welcome to everybody in the house of the Lord this morning. You're in the right place at the right time. Amen. You might get your Bibles on your laps because I've got a few <coughs> scriptures that we're going to have, <coughs> going to read together this morning. Sorry, I'm agitating, but my glasses are all steamed up. Is 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. I think most of us can quote the scripture. It's a very beautiful and well-loved scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. And it says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. What a wonderful scripture that is. There's no argument that God was manifest in the flesh. There's no controversy about that. On, of the scripture, Reverend Daniel Seagrave says, and some of which I have paraphrased, perhaps there is no other passage in scripture that better illustrates the oneness of God than this song of triumph celebrating the resurrection and the gospel of Jesus Christ. The absolute oneness of God was universally accepted without, uh, with it, sorry, was universally accepted without controversy within the teaching of the early church. That Jesus was God, manifest in the flesh, was without controversy or accepted by all. The term mystery pertains to the revelation of the Savior whom Old Testament prophets have predicted. God was manifest in the flesh means He was rendered visible in human form. Justified means vindicated or found righteous, clear of any charges. Seen of angels. There were angels present and witnessed the resurrection of Jesus as he came forth from the grave. Preached unto the Gentiles, my, my, my. Are you Gentiles today? Ooh, how many years later? preached unto the Gentiles. This took place only because of Jesus and is still ongoing at this time. And he was received up into glory. Forty days after his resurrection, Jesus ascended. Amen. 
all of this scripture, and it just speaks of Jesus. It doesn't speak, it can't be anybody else that can fulfill this scripture that can, uh, is, but Jesus Christ himself. And the New International Version says, Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the, the nations, was believed in the world, was taken up in glory. Simple, God was manifest in the flesh. Jesus was the Messiah, is the Messiah. Is Jesus Christ the Messiah? And in the prophecy of the promised Messiah, Isaiah foretells that the Messiah will come into this world as a baby. Isaiah also speaks of the responsibility that Messiah will carry and then says his name shall be called. And there are several elements to his name which actually describes who he is. Can we read together Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, please? Says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Say, Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace. This scripture is easy to understand, but I break it down to make the obvious more obvious. A baby boy, the Messiah is a baby boy. He will reign over all the world. The government of the entire world would be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful. He is a wonder. He transcends human understanding. He is unique among human beings. He stands supreme above everyone else. He is Counselor. Jesus reveals the mind of God, and he counsels us from God's perspective. The mighty God, he is the almighty. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The everlasting Father, he is the Father of eternity, the one and only Heavenly Father. He is the Prince of Peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom, which also means completeness, soundness, welfare, tranquility, contentment, and even friendship. It also refers to peace with God through a covenant relationship. Amen. We have that covenant relationship with God, and we can have peace. We need to read the next verse, chapter 7, which gives an underlining to verse 6. <clears throat> of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Continuing in the Messianic prophecy, Micah foretold the specific birthplace of this child. And if you'd like to turn with me to Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. I have a lot of scripture in this message. 
But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be the ruler of Israel, whose going forth have been from old, from everlasting. That's what Micah prophesied. And then we read of the fulfillment of these prophecies of Micah in Luke chapter 2 and verse 7. It says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And further in Matthew chapter 2 and 1, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Sounds like a Christmas message, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. But this is the continuation. This is the prophecy that's given and then the fulfillment of it right up to where we are today. We are benefiting and we are receiving the blessings of that prophecy being fulfilled. We are with the Lord and we have the Lord in our lives and we can turn to him at any time. He, if the, as we reach out to the Lord, he's ready there to reach out to us. His desire for us is to have a walk with him. His desire for us is to have peace with him. His desire for us is to reach out to him and have salvation that he has for all of mankind. It's very important that we do reach out to God. God has done his part. God is still doing his part. God is continuously with us. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And we may be busy running around doing our daily chores and the the things that we have to do, but the steadfast love is continually with us. The peace of God is continually with us. We need to stop in our tracks and turn to him and let him touch us and let him bless us. And that's how it works because he's continuously with us. We can't see him, but that's a fact. His presence is with us continually. His love is steadfast. I mean, his mercies are new every morning. He knows who we are. He knows each and every one of us. This is what always gets deep down in my heart and, and, and gives me such a thrill or such, I feel so great when I think God knows each and every one of us. When we go into the city, perhaps, and walk around in the mall, nobody knows who we are. I know who I am, but I'm in the city with a whole lot of people and not a soul will know me, but God knows exactly who I am. He knows where I am and he knows to provide exactly what I need. And he's willing and he's able. Amen. He's wonderful. He's so wonderful. And he, the fulfillment of, of Micah's prophecy, we've read that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And after that fulfillment of this prophecy, and after Isaiah's prophecy more than 700 years ago, um, the Messiah is here in the flesh at this time of this message. He's 33 years of age. He spent three years in ministry and having called 12 disciples to follow him. And now he's about to leave them. So he gives them comfort. He knows what's about to happen. And he's gathered his disciples. He's taught them. And they're going to continue when he's gone from that place. When he's been um, crucified, they're going to continue with the gospel. And they have continued with it. And he's getting them ready and he gives them comfort. He says in John chapter 14, verses 1 and 4, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, ye know 
and the way you know. In continuing in chapter 14 of John, um, there's some uh, discourse between Thomas and Jesus and Philip and Jesus and Judas and Jesus. And then at the, later on in that verse, uh, that scripture, God promises the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, which leads us on to verse 27 of John chapter 14, which says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus who spoke these words to the disciple is the Prince of Peace. He knows all about peace and he is the provider of that peace. And a prince is one who has authority. A prince is a leader, amen. He is the leader. He has all the authority over peace and he is the Prince of Peace. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. The disciples had good reason to have troubled hearts. Just the night before they were in the Last Supper, which is the Passover meal, commemorating Israel's deliverance from bondage in Egypt. Jesus told them that one amongst them would betray him. The disciples wanted to know who it was, and Jesus said, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. Jesus dipped the sop, and he gave it to Judas Iscariot. And then Judas, having received the sop, went immediately out of the upper room, leaving eleven disciples with Jesus. Also, Jesus told them that he was going away. The event that would cause him to go away was about to take place the very next day. Of course, Jesus knew what was about to take place, and he was preparing his disciples for this awful, difficult-to-understand forthcoming event, and, to, and also to help them to continue after this event. For us to be informed of what was about to happen, let us turn in our Bibles again to the prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 53 and verse 5. It says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. The iniquity of all mankind was laid, up, was laid upon him. And verse 7 says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. He opened not his mouth. And in another portion of scripture where Jesus gives predictions of his death and the re- resurrection, it ends, he ends off saying, and this is John 16 and 33, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and he suffered chastisement that we may have peace. He was never a troublemaker or rebellious in any way that he should suffer chastisement, but he did. Commentary says, The chastisement by which our peace is affected or secured was laid upon him, or he took it upon himself and bore it in order that we might have peace. 
The word chastisement properly denotes correction by inflicting punishment. Jesus never needed to be punished or he never needed to suffer infliction for anything, but he allowed this to be so for us. He allowed this to be so for me. He allowed this to be so for you. He allowed it to be so for us. He allowed it to be so for the whole world. Everybody in the world receives these blessings if they come to him. Amen. In simple English, he suffered punishment that we may have peace. In the evening of the first day of the resurrection of Jesus from the tomb, the disciples were assembled in a room with closed doors because they were afraid of the Jews. Then Jesus came through the closed doors and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be unto you. And after he had spoken these words to them, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw him. Then he said to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. We all need and desire and long for peace. In your own heart and in your own mind, you can think of what makes you feel peace or how you feel peaceful. I've yet to meet anyone who would prefer to have troubles, turmoils, worries, and hardships instead of peace. Peace expresses the deepest desire and need of the human heart. It represents the greatest measure of contentment and satisfaction in life. The world is no place to find lasting and or spiritual peace. The Bible states, not as the world giveth. The population of the world is made up of sinful humanity, living in a fallen world, and it, in it there is no way to attain permanent, lasting, profound peace. The peace found in this world is fleeting, unstable, and short-lived. Mostly peace in this world is dependent on circumstances and situations. The fast pace of the modern world may put our minds in a chaotic state. <coughs> Information comes and goes. We must do this. We must do that. We've got to go here. We've got to go there. There's appointments to keep. There's chores to be done. <coughs> there's time limits to attend to. There's simply no, um, no easy way in the world. And it's not easy to have peace when all of this is going on. I've lost my place. So that's also good. There's simply too many things that reside in our mind. Troubles and worries dispel peace. So there's a lot of uh, carry on in our minds that will disturb the peacefulness of our lives, the peace of our lives. So you can't understand. If you see somebody walking around, you don't know what is in their minds. There might be a turmoil. There might be a whole lot of things going on there. They might have things that are dogging them. They might have things that are holding them back. Amen. But peace comes. When we when release that and we let it go and we leave it to God, we can have that peace. So we're all searching and we're all hungry for peace and we need peace. Peace helps us with our health as well. Amen. The peace of this world is variable because it's not based on the constant of God. The peace that we have is constant because it's based on God. Amen. It is because of God that we can experience what the Prince of Peace is giving to us. Heavenly peace from here into eternity cannot be found looking to the world and the things of the world. 
There are some physical and mental teachings in the world which, if practiced, are purported to bring peace and tranquility. But there is a strong warning here to be careful, very careful of these systems, teachings, and practices because they can be harmful spiritually. Although they may appear not to be and in fact sound rather attractive and workable, chasing after peace in those areas can be dangerous. Some people travel long distances and to faraway places to find a place of peace. But peace is not a place. Other means of peace in this world would be paying off debts to be free of a burden. Definitely there is peace in such an achievement, but it's not long-lasting nor an eternal peace. Psalm 55 and 22 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. If we are in the church, it doesn't matter. I beg your pardon. It does... It doesn't mean to say that we can claim that because we have Jesus and Jesus died for us, now we have perfect peace. Ongoing, perpetual, harmonious peace. And <clears throat> I, I don't know what's gone wrong here. I think I cussed and pasted and put it in the wrong place. So, so if, we, if we're in the church... It doesn't mean that we can claim and that Jesus died for us that we can have permanent and perpetual peace because the world is there and we have troubles and we have issues all the time. We cannot fly through, through the world with gossamer wings and think, oh, well, I've got peace, I've got Jesus, and I've got perfect peace, and everything's going to be okay. We're still going to have difficulties. We're still going to have sh hardships that are going to come into our lives. What we see, <coughs> what we experience, and decisions that we make can all affect our peacefulness. Even when we're in the church, <coughs> if we see that somebody is having a hard time, it can affect our peacefulness. Amen. If we see that somebody is suffering with an illness, it can affect our peacefulness. When we make decisions that are not good or turn bad upon us, it can help, uh, it can take away our peacefulness. Amen. <coughs> However, whether we realize it or not, the peace of God is steadfastly with us. And when we keep our focus on Him, we experience both his presence and his peace. According to the Bible, we can have perfect peace. Isaiah 26 and 3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee, because he trusted in thee. We focus on God, we can have peace. Even in a, <clears throat> even in a, a, a difficult circumstance, even when there's hardships in our lives, we can still experience the peace of God. Um, Isaiah 26 and 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Focus on God. Keep our mind stayed upon him, and we can have that perfect peace. It doesn't mean to say that the problems and the difficulties are going to go away. It doesn't mean to say they're going to end there because now I'm focusing on God. I'm going to have that perfect peace, and all the problems are going to end and go away. It doesn't mean to say that. It means to say that we can go through those with a peaceful heart, with a peaceful mind, and trust in the Lord and focus on him. The scripture makes it clear that state of mind and peace work together. Our focus should be on God. Wherever we are in this life, in or out of the church, there will be life situations which will affect our peacefulness. 
There will be fiery attacks on our minds when we reach out to God and desire to live in his peace. We are in constant spiritual warfare, which is not going to go away until God says so. The enemy of our soul abhors our closeness to God and tries to destroy our relationship with him. In the heat of the battle, we can call on the name of Jesus and ask him for health and help, and instantly the battle becomes his. Our role is simply to trust him to fight for us. The battle is his. So we trust in him to take care of it. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So we can't attack the enemy like this and go around in the flesh and beat him with, uh, beat him with our fists. Nothing is going to happen. But we can go, we can win, we can win the battle through the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not, we're not battling in the flesh. It's a spiritual battle. battle and it starts off here. It starts off in our minds. And it grows and it grows and it grows and grows. Sometimes you can just be sitting there and some thought will come from absolutely nowhere. You can't even imagine where that thought has come from. It comes to our minds and it tries to attack us and bring us down and make us feel um, that we're not good enough and make us feel guilty and make us feel it's hopeless and all those kind of things. But if we focus on the Lord and we, we use the weapons of our warfare, we can overcome that battle. Amen. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons, I've said that already, but I want to say it again. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Then the scripture goes on to say, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We need to focus on Jesus. We need to turn the thoughts that comes into our minds. We need to turn the imaginations that come into our minds and focus on Jesus Christ. We can even ask God to say, I'm sorry I had that thought. I don't know where it comes from. Please forgive me for it. But I'm focusing on you, God. I'm focusing on what you've done for me. We need to have the knowledge of what Jesus has done for us. Our victories are very powerful when we can call on what has happened before, on victories that we have won before. When David slew Goliath, amen, he recalled the, the victories that he'd had before that God had given to him, and that gave him power and that gave him strength and it helped his faith to overcome Goliath and he attacked Goliath and he killed him there and then, amen but he remembered what it was that God had done in his life before that and we need to remember those things and even if it's just a tiny, minuscule little thing we can say, I remember God when you delivered me from so much I remember God when you answered a prayer for me 
I remember when I felt your presence in the house of God. I remember when so-and-so helped me and prayed for me. And as we're doing that, we're starting to dispel the imaginations in our minds. We're starting to get rid of them, and we're starting to focus on God, and we're starting to fill our minds with God. Our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. Mighty, 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 mighty through God. Every time we can call on the name of Jesus, there is nothing, there's nothing that the enemy can come against that that can supersede or take out the name of Jesus, nor the blood of Jesus Christ. That is our weapon continuously, day in and day out, and day in and day out. And you can arm yourselves further if you're baptized in Jesus' name. You can arm yourself further if you're baptized in his name. Amen. You take on the name of Jesus in baptism and the washing away of your sins and the cleansing from all unrighteousness. They're not carnal, but they are mighty, the weapons that we will employ, the weapons that we can use. Amen. And God is with us. He says that the battle is his. He never leaves us. He's continuously with us. And it may seem as if his presence is not there. But believe me, it is there. And we can call on him and we can start to speak his name and we can start to change our thoughts from those that are pulling us down to those that are going to lift us up, to those that are going to strengthen them. And they're all on Jesus. It's nothing that I can do. I can't say to God, I can get rid of this because I can walk 40 miles or I can, I can, I don't know, just something about myself. It's never going to work. It's all God. God is the one that's going to fight that battle. God is the one that's going to bring down the enemy. God is the one that's going to give us victory. Amen. We thank God for his name and we thank him for the power. Thank God. Amen. Hallelujah. It's saving power. His name is, uh, is essential for our salvation. I'm nearly finished again. Sister Sedenko, could you please come to the piano? We need to practice purposefully keeping our minds on God and on all his attributes. Worship is a wonderful time when we enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. When we focus solely on God and together with the harmony of music and singing, we mentally leave the world and all our troubles behind and simply get stayed on God. At this time, we experience perfect peace. We are changed. We have given him our burdens, and his presence floods our souls. It is time for us to forget about ourselves and concentrate on him and worship him with all our hearts and all our souls. It doesn't matter how well a person can sing or can't sing. What matters is singing unto God. It is so valuable to us to be in church when, church, when it is church time, and participate wholeheartedly in the worship. Of course, we can also worship in our private time with the Lord as we come to him in prayer, and that worship is equally as beneficial. The Bible says, I mean, in the presence of the Lord, our troubles vanish and broken hearts are mended, is what a song says. To me, it's very, very important when the doors are open in church to be in church. I don't know. I don't know how you all are. Maybe you're much more spiritual and spiritually strong than I am. But I really do go from Sunday to Wednesday to Sunday. I really need to be in the house of the Lord during the week. I really need to be in the house of the Lord at the weekend. I really need to get what God is giving us. I really need to be able to worship God 
freely and openly and, and reach out to him. I really need to leave my problems. I really need to leave difficulties and reach out to God and just be free. And as we do that, his presence comes down. As we do that, he touches us. As we do that, he ministers in our lives. And we are strengthened and we are fortified. And we can really move on to the next, uh, the next service. Amen. It's, it's, it's not... I don't know, it's important, it's absolutely important for us to be in the house of the Lord whenever we can because there is continually a battle for our souls. There is continually the enemy after us trying to pull us down, trying to break our our joy, trying to break our victory, and we need to be strengthened. And sometimes what you can't get out at home when you're on your own, you get in the church. Everybody comes together. This is so important. I see sometimes, and I'm not talking about this church, okay, But I've seen sometimes people in the worship service, they're standing like this. And the the pianist is playing and the singers are singing and people are worshiping and they're downcast and their hands are hanging down and they're not even trying. Unless we start to reach out to God, unless we move in Him, then things are going to change. As we stand, then we're downcast. It's so hard for anything to happen for us. But we need to focus on the Lord and turn to Him and reach out to Him and forget about those things that are holding us back. We've all got problems. I'm not the only one. All of us have got difficulties. All of us have got hardships. It's not unique to one person. It's to all of us. We have issues. We have hardships. We have things in our lives that we want to be corrected. We have attitudes. We have things in our lives that we need to be corrected. There are things in our lives we don't even know we're there. Amen. And God will reveal them to us and God will help us to see them. And we can confess them to him and he can take them from us and he can help us to overcome. Amen. I don't care if you've been living for God for 50 or 60 years. There's still things inside of us that need to be changed. We are not perfect. We cannot be perfect. Amen. And we are continuing to walk with the Lord on a daily basis. We are continuing to walk with Him and He's continually with us. He's walking with us. He's with us continuously from the rising of the sun to the going down on the same. 24-7, God is with us. Come to the house of God. Reach out to the Almighty God. Allow Him to work in you. If you're doing this, He can't work in you. If you're holding yourself within, He cannot touch you. He cannot help you. You gotta be there. You gotta open yourself to the Lord. You gotta allow Him to move in you. You gotta allow the Prince of Peace to touch your life, to turn it around. Hallelujah. And it's not all gonna happen in one day. Hallelujah. Glory, Jesus. Oh, what a mighty God. What a mighty God. What a mighty God. Lose yourself in God. Lose yourself in Him. You're not here for anybody else, but you're here for you. You are here for you. If you go to a doctor for any for diagnosis and that it's and he gives you a diagnosis and he gives you medicine that's for you you don't take it down the street and say somebody walking down oh i got this medicine from the from the doctor here you have it it's for you 
When you come to church, it's for you. 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 It's for me. It's for me. I'm selfish. I want God to touch me. I want to be changed. I want to be strengthened. I want to be encouraged. I want to move forward. I don't want to stay where I am. I want the things that are not right to come out. I want God to deal with those things. So don't be worried. Don't be afraid. You're just like everybody else with problems and difficulties and hardships. Oh, but the weapons on our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Messiah is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the Prince of peace. He's the I am that I am in the truth. Oh, Jesus, we have to practice with We have to practice having peace in our minds. We have to practice that. We have to practice it. And it's not a one time. I've got, in case you think I've done it once and the battle is over, no. It's not like that at all. It's going to continue. We have an enemy and we don't give him any glory or praise or anything like that. He's a liar and the father of lies and he's already defeated. Amen. But he is, he's attacking us because he wants to pull us down. He wants us to lose the battle. But I'm not going to lose the battle, are you? Say, I will not be defeated. I will not be defeated. Amen. I will not be defeated because of God. We need to practice peace by purposefully keeping our minds on God. We have to work at it. I promise you it's not, it's not easy. You don't just wave a magic wand or something and say, all right, now I'm not thinking bad thoughts. Sometimes when a bad thought comes to you, it can be a whole tumult of them. There can be dozens of them coming all at once. Poof, 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 poof. And I'm sitting there quite peacefully, and you see this sister to Sheila. But you don't know what's happening in my mind. You have no idea. She's worshiping, but you've got no idea how much I could be attacked in my mind. Likewise, you. And you sing the songs that we sing. And if you're not feeling it, it doesn't matter. By faith. By faith, because you have to work by faith. We cannot live this, this life and we cannot walk this walk without faith. Faith, faith, faith. The steadfast love. Oh, I need the steadfast love. The steadfast love. I'm going to sing it loud because I need the steadfast love of God. I'm going to sing it loud. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And you start to feel the presence of the Lord. You start to feel yourself melting in his presence. And you start to feel encouraged. And then you've got strength and you've got encouragement. And you come to church on Wednesday and you can get fortified once again. But we need to purpose in our minds. To, to focus on God. We need to focus on God. <clears throat> Amen. It doesn't The focus of our minds and the thoughts we have have a strong bearing on our victory. In closing, I would like to read Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 9. If you want to open your Bibles, you can. He's the almighty God. Oh, Jesus. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, 
With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, here we go. Say this with me. Verse 8. Say it together. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things that ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. To me, that sounds like a piece of heaven right here on earth. The Prince of Peace, the God of Peace will be with us.